welcome to another episode of the It's Mimic podcast, where I, Casey, sit down with a couple of other amazing ladies to dig up the dirt on the undead in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. For this episode, I've resurrected Mieka and Megan so we can sink our teeth into this episode called Undead Stalkers Praying for the Next Encounter. This episode on the It's a Mimic channel is going to cautiously peek around the corner and make sure the coast is clear because there are some weird, horrible undead that are patrolling the night, teeming with malice and hell-bent on murder. Murder. <laughs> but, but before we dive into these big nasties, of course, I want to ask when you turn the corner in a dark hallway and see a single creature standing there, how do you know whether or not it's a boss monster or just a single minion? Ooh. If it walks towards you, it's a baddie. If it moves away from you, it's a minion. <laughs> I was going to say it's when the <laughs> boss music changes, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, when you have like the when the air and the the density of the air changes, like the the lighting shifts, <laughs> and then the boss music starts. That's that's when you know it's a boss. <laughs> yeah, like if it if it looks like a bitch, then it's a single minion to me. I don't know how to better explain that. Like if I feel like I can take it, it's a single minion. But if it's like big and scary and running at me, it's a boss. I really want to be in a darkened hallway now with Mieka just rounding a corner and seeing someone to be like, hey, Mieka, does it look like a bitch to you? <laughs> no, that's not a bitch. <laughs> I feel like nothing would be a bitch to you. Like, no, that's a boss. But it's just like a tiny skeleton sitting at the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait for this now. <laughs> <laughs> The real okay. life LARPing session with Mieka. That looks <laughs> like a real baddie bitch. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, well, God. before we dive into a lot of content here, buckle up. We're starting off with undead boss monsters with Megan. Yeah, man. Yeah. So and speaking of like, you know, when the music shifts, I'm more, of course, speaking about video game and video game culture is kind of what I want to get into a little bit when it comes to these stalkerish creatures. So in this episode, of course, we're going to be covering some really neat, strong undead enemies with a knack for hunting and stalking their prey. I mean, if the title of the episode wasn't enough, that is pretty much what we're talking about today. So I did think it would be fun to take some time and, uh, Talk about some tie-ins to some video, like famous video games, mini bosses, and you know just things of that nature. So the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of folks in the video game world is, of course, you know the Resident Evil franchise is, of course, one that's very famous. Which for most folks who haven't seen the movies, at least, well, if they've seen the movies, at least they would know who Nemesis is, which is one of the larger bosses and big bad evil guys. This is basically a mutated undead and extremely unnatural speed. And strength that hunts and plays with its prey until it catches you and then nom noms you. Mm, Om nom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's a constant reoccurring big, big bad that comes around. Another one that comes to mind is actually a movie, but they did make a video game of it. So I count it, uh, which is the Alien franchise. Mm. So they do make a lot of video games based off of this one. And I find that it is a very popular, you know, movie franchise that a lot of people can actually like attune to. All right, so in these movies, these are basically aliens that use bodies like of humanoids to birth their babies. But throughout the movie, the theme is the folks being stalked and hunted by these alien creatures as they need to be captured and kept technically alive so they can keep their babies warm and alive from the inside. 
So they don't hunt you and attack you and kill you and nom nom you right away. They snatch your body and fill you with eggs and then you birth their babies from your chest. Love it. <laughs> I I have vivid memories of watching them watching Alien and Aliens and all of the iterations like when they came out and like sheer trauma as a younger child. <laughs> yeah, as a youth watching the first Resident Evil film if you've never played the game before or like yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching Alien with my dad way back when I probably should not have been old enough to watch it, to be honest exactly. with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, thanks, dad. I'm now afraid of the dark. <laughs> a story like this. Um, so a short story called Blood Child by Octavia mm. Butler, which is something similar, but like the humans were like in love with the aliens. But yeah, it was it was a weird ride, but it was also weird. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very man. interesting. Stephen King also did one as well that they made a movie out of. I don't remember what that one was called. Mm, no. But it was like they all went to a cabin and like an alien parasite happened while they were at this cabin. The fuck was it? <laughs> Internet, tell me what it's called. Stephen King. Parasites, <laughs> aliens, you figure it out. <laughs> I'm too lazy to Google it right now. <laughs> But of course, there are many more horror video games that use the stalking undead theme for bosses and big bad evil guys. So I'm going to throw out some old school names here. So internet, enjoy. Have you ever played Clock Tower? Um, where you have to run and hide from what's called the Scissor Man. Uh, and, and you literally can't face it. You have to find a hiding place if it's chasing you. And then stay hidden until it passes so you can continue throughout the level. If it catches you, you auto die. I have been told about this. And that sounds so stressful like I couldn't I I could never play it <laughs> yeah and I mean there's also another one that's also very famous which is called Slenderman which is a very very common name mm -hmm. that people will hear they made a movie about it there was a game about it like it's a huge internet sensation uh and it was wildly popular a few years ago uh basically this one is about a ghost that um was brought into existence and you have to collect eight notes uh in time before it catches you uh, and the, it's very neat and environmental. So uh, as you're wandering through, like a fog will thicken if it's getting closer to you. And then like for and, like if you were to visualize this thing, it's super tall and it's a humanoid with really long arms and legs and it's faceless. Um, and you will see him peering around trees as you're wandering through the forest. Ooh. And it's like one of those, I remember playing this game with a friend and I remember like, it's like you're wandering through this forest looking for these fucking notes. And then you would like start getting foggy and you'd turn around and you'd see it like, like 10 yards yonder and then you turn around turn back around and it's like right there like right in front of your face <laughs> no <laughs> it's a frightening game to play but again stalking prey and it's fast so like if you see it 10 yards yonder you just turn around and you run until the fog dissipates like you don't you don't fuck around <laughs> If you ever want to see Adam Rage, ask him his opinion on the Slender Man movie. <laughs> oh my God. It's for like not two a, hours straight. <laughs> it's not a good movie, to be honest with you. Like, it's really not. Because, like, again, it plays on the whole thing where, like, kids are stupid. Yeah. Right? And putting themselves into really dumb situations for being stupid. It's like when we were kids and playing Bloody Mary and then it happens for real life. Like, and then how are you going to deal with it as a nine-year-old? You would die right away and that's the end of the movie. But instead yeah. in a movie in Hollywood, they drag out this nine-year-old trying to solve this mystery for some fucking reason. <laughs> and somehow they figure it out without parental supervision. <laughs> I <laughs> do not understand. But of course, the last one I'm going to talk about is Pyramid Head, which is famously from the Silent Hill franchise. 
So in fact, I personally have a tattoo of him on my arm in the form yeah. of daddy pyramid head. <laughs> <laughs> I have to see this. Like, we're, in a, we're in a video <laughs> format, but this is, you can see his muscular arm right here. All right. Yeah, I see. Yeah, it. that's yeah. uh that's daddy pyramid head. If anybody ever wants a tattoo show on the internet, let me know and I'll show you all my fucking tattoos. I have a lot. <laughs> uh, but I digress. Um, so though he is considered the big bad evil guy that follows and stalks you until it catches you and kills you, there are some fandom themes where it is actually labeled as the good guy. The movies actually try to portray this, but the reality is that he is supposed to be a manifestation of the person's desire for punishment and violence. But his stick was that he is actually a very slow mover, and you could see him coming from a mile away, but he's relentless. So if you stay still for too long, or in some portions of the game, he will actually, and like if you stay in, in the same area for too long, he'll actually catch up to you kind of thing. Um, but I feel like in the game, that's just his, like his job is actually just to push you along the storyline, but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> and lo and behold he technically cannot be killed is how i mentioned he is technically just a manifestation so he's not necessarily a being of flesh and blood uh that can be killed so he just exists constantly within the silent hill ether and does does he fight you or you fight him them oh everyone's i think we're trying to remember what what games you actually fight fight him but it, it's the same kind of thing as like clock tower where if he catches you you just instantly die mm, yeah yeah um, there's tons of games out there that utilize the stalking and freedom like fear tactic but i do feel like it's a an aspect that is added to video games specifically to move you along the storyline and push you through and keep you moving so that you're not stagnant for too long it's almost like a dm trick and if you're taking too long in a dungeon to speed up your clock of thinking throwing like a random encounter in there except mm -hmm. it's a continuous constant bad evil guy that's been stalking you this whole time mm -hmm. but yeah it would work for me right I'd get the fuck out of there <laughs> <laughs> but i do have a i have a love for these kinds of creatures just because i am a big fan of the horror video game genre i like how to overemphasize the word horror so that people don't think i love horror games but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> there'll be many times i'm having a conversation with someone like what's your favorite video game genre i'm like oh horror they're like what <laughs> H-O-R-R-O-R. -R -R -O -R, horror. <laughs> yeah, let's be clear on that one. Yes, I have to be, I find. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to move on to our very detailed um, first monster, Mieka. All right. So we're going to talk about the Bone Claw. And you can find this monster in Mordenkainen Presents Monsters of the Multiverse. This is like a skeleton-like creature. I wouldn't classify it as a skeleton. It looks as though like its skin is just hanging on by a thread. Um, and so it has very long arms and huge piercing claws. Um, they live in the darkness and they are very spider-like. Uh, during the ritual when a wizard um, is trying to become a lich, um, if the wizard is too weak um, to move the soul to its new home or to the new um, phylactery, I, I'm saying that correct, right? Yep, you got it. Phylactery. <laughs> <laughs> if it's pepperina, yes. <laughs> phylactery is where how pepperina would say it. <laughs> so basically the soul will seek out um, the nearest person with like a hate-filled heart to be basically its host 
Um, and then the soul bonds to that person and will basically, you know, like I just said, becomes the host. And so then a bone claw will also appear as well. These things can't die from combat alone. They will regenerate, which is pretty scary. So if their master dies, then they die. But if their master lives, then they will just live. Like you can kind of get rid of it, but it's going to come back. They can gain a new body in one D10 hours. All right. And um, they will appear within one mile of their master. Um, so the bone claw is a large undead, typically chaotic evil. Um, they have an AC of 16 and 20 D10 plus 40 hit points. Their speed is about 40 feet. Um, the strength is the strength is coming in at 19 and the dex is 16, and they're proficient in dex, con, and wisdom. They have a plus six perception and a plus six wisdom, which to me, I'm like, that's that's interesting. They're resistant to cold, of course, and necrotic damage, unable to be charmed. Um, they don't get exhausted, frightened, or, or paralyzed, or poisoned. They have dark vision up to 60 feet. The passive perception is 16. Um, they speak common in one language that's spoken by their master. The CR is 12. So, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. So getting into its actions, it can make two piercing claw attacks. Um, with this claw, it's a plus eight to hit with a reach of 15 feet. Um, they deal out three D10 plus four piercing damage, um, and it deals to two D10 necrotic damage as well. Um, it can grapple a target and pull it 10 feet towards itself and can attack with the other arm. Um, just like that visual of that just like freaks me out because <laughs> like it's the piercing claws. It's like, it reminded me of needles and I hate needles. Yeah, like, <laughs> the, the old claw and drag, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like imagine like very large claws and then like ten times 10 is actually what it, what it is too. Like yeah. they're huge. Mm -hmm. And so like to escape, it would have to be um, DC 14. Uh, so they also do this thing called shadow jump. So this thing can teleport y'all. All right. It can teleport 60 feet. It can grapple you and then teleport away within like five feet. Um, if it sees like any like darkness or any type of spot and the players must succeed on the DC 14 constitution save or take five D 12 plus two necrotic damage. Um, and again, if you basically fail on this, it will like just disappear with you. And so it's, it's easy for them to split up the party, I think, <laughs> and do some serious damage. Um, and that's all on the bone claw. Um, it basically hides in darkness and it can pull you. If you're, if you're within 15 feet of it, it will attack you and grapple you and pull you into the darkness. So yeah, that's the bone claw, everyone. <laughs> oh, Love it. You, you did. Well, I guess you will be a higher level if you're encountering this, but you won't last that many hits. Like even your barbarian yikes on this. Yeah. But its goal is technically heavy. to keep you, a, it's a guest if it's not trying to jump masters. Like if you kill its master, it's going to be wanting to find a new master. But if you, yeah. Or does it die when you're, when the master dies? It dies when the master dies. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Scary. Well, should we raise some dice and. Let's do it. <clears throat> Move this more. 15. 16. 13. All right. So, Mieka, I guess you're first. Soul quest idea. 
I hate haunted houses. I think everyone knows <laughs> shifted. I think everyone knows it at this point, but I would love to use this thing in like a haunted house or like in a dungeon, of course, obviously. Like you just I want it to be like a surprise attack situation. Like a surprise attack situation where this thing appears, it grabs one of like your beloved NPCs. Of course. And you're like what the <laughs> Like, what the hell is going on? That's how I would use it. And I'd be like, I feel like there would be multiple. I would want there to be multiple um, bone claws in yeah. a single space. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely giving me like labyrinth vibes is definitely a thing I would want to use one of these in. Because again, it's very, I find if you're within a dungeon or a labyrinth, it's easier to use these stalking prey kind of characters because you're in narrow hallways or in pathways that can be hard to like surpass people and move around easily, which gives like that fear factor to it. Right. But like, I almost want to flip the narrative and I would actually let a PC have one of these. Like Ooh. if you, like if you were a necromancer. Mm hmm. And let's say you were dabbling in some dark magics at some point in your life or in your backstory. This thing is actually attached to you and follows you around and is actually like devoted to you. And is almost like a pet that you have. Yeah. Like I would, I would probably have to like look at the stat block and like kind of like metal and toy with it to see what I can do, depending on what, like, um, you know, what, what, what tier you're at as players. Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, I would want to flip the narrative and be like, why wouldn't a necromancer have one of these is like attuned to it, you know? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. But if it was going to be attached to a big bad evil guy, I would definitely throw these into a labyrinth. And then like they can't die, so they're constantly chasing you. There's more than one. But like I feel like because they regenerate and come back, they'll have the scars that you gave it previously. Yeah. Right? So let's say like, you cut its arm off at one point in time and then you killed it and then moved on. Fast fast forward a couple of hours and it comes in and it appears again, but now it has the scarring from where its arm was removed. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think you could use this if, um, <laughs> as a DM, if you throw a few NPCs in with the, the group navigating through this, this is the perfect opportunity to have, you know, just some muffling sounds and then poof, like one of your NPCs is gone from where thin, they were standing. It's in the herd. Them up. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thinning the herd. Yeah. And, you know, with some really, really high perception rolls from some of your players, you might get a hint of what is happening. But that darkness, like it's just disappearing back into the darkness. You can play with that for a while and you can slow burn the big reveal of this thing. Yeah. Love it. All right. Next, body horror. I think this is our favorite category. It is. Always will be. <laughs> um i'm really thinking about like that claw like just super like sharp like in the picture it shows that the claws are like the biggest thing on them so definitely like make them like all bloody and you know just horrifying to look at like just seeing bones kind of splintering out and like the muscle and stuff yeah and yeah it's gonna get scary and gross <laughs> yeah i feel like canonically as we've said uh undead have long nails because they grow forever <laughs> yes. you're welcome internet please get mad 
Um, <laughs> but no, I think these ones really lean into the fact that because they're they're following you around, but you can't see them, but you can hear them. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to hear like the clacking of their bones and like, the, you know, the sound that like dogs make when they're like slowly walking across like a kitchen floor. Yeah. Just the sound of their claws hitting the ground and like little tippy taps. Yeah. But you can't see it. It's still like within the darkness or like teleporting through the shadows and things like that. Or like you turn around to spot it, but then suddenly it's behind you because it teleported. But you can just hear those little scrapes on the on the walls and like, you know, you just hear it walking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. And like, so, you know, OK, in horror movies, a lot of times if they're kind of scanning with a light source. And they scan by like the corner or a wall or something. And there's, there's claws like wrapped around the end of the wall. Mm, I want yes. So like, it's just a flash and you just see these long bony uh, claws that mm. just are there. And then when you go back, they're gone. Or you, hear so, the sc- you watch them get scraped around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Oh, no. <laughs> or this is like the NPC that's at the end of the hallway, and the only ones with dark vision or like eyes on the NPC that's at the front of the party watches the a hand like a claw reach out from behind the corner, just grab them and like pull them back into the darkness. Yes. it also like i I know this isn't the imagery that's like in the actual text but if anybody's played legend of zelda um there is a basically like a severed it's like a severed claw hand which we've talked about severed hands and things like that but it very it's like a a claw that lands on the ground and if it sees you it runs towards you and latches onto your face it's like a giant hand (laughs) and then the only way to kill it is it like when you slash at it and kill it the first time it splits into three and then you have to hit the three or it regenerates back into one so I feel like that is where I would get an inspiration from this piece. It's just a giant severed hand that if you kill it the first time, it will then split into three smaller hands. But like, oh. and, and then like, if it doesn't see you right away, it'll like roll its fingers and like click on the ground. Like, so you can hear uh, like the, the tippy taps like of it's like, like it's impatient. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I'd almost want to use that sound too. Like if it's walking behind you, you just hear like the wrapping of the the impatient nails on the wall waiting for you to come to its trap, right? Mm-hmm. Oof. Damn. <laughs> All right. Role playing and exploration clues even. And I think we're we're diving into those clues with the sounds and like the the creepy scrapes of the of the walls and floors. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Mika? Oh, oh yeah, it is my turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wouldn't it be interesting? If like we didn't even see the bone claw at all, like we've heard about it, um, you know, from other uh, characters that this thing is going on is just terrorizing and, you know, doing all these things. But we seek out the uh, the soul that it's basically like um, tethered to, for lack of better words, and we try to appeal to that evil person's good nature. I feel like that would be an interesting conversation piece because once you kind of and like make it so we would like appeal to like try to not make them evil anymore, basically work on them as a character and then try to get rid of the bone claw that way. I mean, like it's you, you know, as a DM, you would have to plan it all out, like all the little pieces and stuff. But I feel like that would be pretty interesting. Kind of go to the source of the issue and try to work it out that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I also like the role-playing aspect to that they know a language of its master. And I think that because it is trying to impress its master, it will only communicate in that language. So depending on what your group is hunting, if you don't know the language that that speaks, 
um, you wouldn't necessarily be able to communicate with this thing because it's dedicated to only communicating in that language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, that's like a little piece of role playing that I would do. Um, but like exploration clues, like I, I do like the idea that the walls are covered in scratch marks from like the long mm-hmm. claws of these things. You'll find like, like bones that have been picked clean. Like this is like your classic, it's been consumed and destroyed. Uh, and if you're wandering around a dungeon, you're going to see the remnants of these these folks that you've been traveling around with because they're not materialistic. They're not going to take things off of you either, right? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> unless their master is materialistic, you're just going to, your bodies are just going to be left to rot and like left, all your items are going to be left there and that kind of thing, right? So that's also a good piece of exploration. Or you find bodies that are just clawed to shit, mm-hmm. right? So, or again, like you'll find weapons on the ground from when they got snatched right you'll like go into a room and there's like swords and shields on the ground but no bodies yeah and like and it's not like they were collected here like to be in a library they're just on the ground it's like that whole thing like when you go into a town like those creepy like horror movies when you go into a town and everybody was removed from the town silently but all the plates are still there with the food on the table and like that's the clue that like they were taken you know and they didn't leave right or they left in a hurry it's that same kind of ambiance where like your armor is there, the tent is still there, the fire that was lit during while you were sitting there having your evening tea is still there, and like all your cups and stuff are still around. So clearly you didn't pack up camp and leave. You've probably been snatched, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I would do with that. Yeah, so creepy. Um, I'm inspired by what you talked about first, Megan, at the beginning of the episode, where this thing is actually instructed to get you to the master. But so it is forcing you to move on while you're navigating through a labyrinth or a dungeon or whatever. So it's making that like those clicking sounds or dragging its claws along the ground so that it echoes in the chamber and making you move on (laughs) so that you get there. But leaving that mysterious, just like what the hell is following us? Like it sounds terrifying. And like Meg Mieka said, maybe it never gets revealed. Maybe you get there and then the master interacts with you and talks about its bone claw. And like the bone claw is in the room, but you don't know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and you as a DM can kind of retcon that too, in the sense where if you start off with hearing the clicking sounds off in the distance, thinking that your group will follow the sound. But then mm-hmm. suddenly your group does not follow the sound because obviously there's Miekas at the table that are like, fuck <laughs> that shit. And so they go yeah. away from the sound. Um, yeah. Then it'll just appear behind you and move you forward, right? And so it will guide you from the back instead of guiding you from the front, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you can kind of utilize that as a DM in whichever direction you want. It's still going to guide you to its master, whether it's coaxing you through to follow the sound or whether it's like pushing you forward by the sound coming up behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And I would even add um, some sort of level of it, like limiting the amount of light that the characters can use somehow. Like they don't get to use torches or they don't get to use dancing lights. They really do have to crawl through here in the darkness. Um, Even like maybe the master has done something to this area. So you're truly navigating through dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what is that? What is that cave movie with the the beasties in it? Fuck, I'm really not on fire with my my fucking. <laughs> Hold on here. We are not movie either. With... I don't know. No. The cave. <laughs> uh, the descent. 
So The Descent oh. is like a movie about <clears throat> folks that go like, again, underground. They're like, because they're spelunking essentially underground in very, very small, narrow pathways underwater, like underground, miles and miles underground kind of thing. And then they get chased by these things, but the pathways they're wandering through are so narrow that they can't carry their flashlights. They can only use like their headlamps and stuff like that. But then the headlamps get broken and they no longer have light. And like yeah. all like all that, like that's another thing, like take away their resources, right? Like, mm-hmm. of course, if you're going to be in someone's magical thing, maybe there's a magical barrier where you can't use your dancing lights. So you're now using torches, but then you have to go underwater. How do you relight those torches? Like there's mm-hmm. different things you can do in the exploration piece to really limit the amount of light that they have to be able to see these things correctly and actually use the sound and the um, environment around you, right? Yeah, so clever. And mm-hmm. just that that added challenge that um, lots of players might not um, have dealt with before. And agreed, I think these are going to be like snatch and dash type scenarios, but they do have some pretty wicked combat abilities. So how would a combat go, Mika? Oof. Um, (laughs) Not well. (laughs) No, it's not going to go well at all because they are like, they can grapple one of your players with one hand and then could just be like fighting another player like with the other claw it's gonna be it's gonna be bloody it's not gonna it's not gonna be great (laughs) (laughs) i feel like this is the type of monster that's going to kill one of your players i think yeah 100 and going back to like make point like it's gonna isolate people and really be a party separator because it can't grab all of you at once right? right so it's gonna try and isolate characters and like get someone to move up ahead it's gonna go for your rogue who's at the very front of the party running up ahead right yeah it's it's going to do these things and then you're then your party separated right or it'll cause like a rock fall to separate your party like because it's just rummaging around like in the shadows right so like if you're gonna fight one absolutely these things are deadly but i think that the main combat piece that i would use is more along the exploration piece of it's gonna separate Mm -hmm. your party and it's gonna snatch it and it's gonna grab and then it's gonna let its master take care of you it's not gonna fight if it doesn't have to yeah do its due diligence and it's gonna do its job right yeah and um when it has that 15 foot reach uh, we don't necessarily see beyond 10 feet that much. So that is a next level of of ability that edges out most players. Cause yeah. yeah. And again, in a small like cavernous area, I, I'm just like really focusing on the fact that this is like the the movie of descent now. It's just these <laughs> tiny little caverns deep down in a dungeon, in a labyrinth, small narrow pathways. 15 feet is not a lot of space for for us to navigate around in as players right no like you're gonna be butt to butt walking down this fucking hallway at first and mm-hmm. then you're gonna realize 15 feet can grab the person that's two steps behind you right which to me is yeah. absolutely fucking a frightening opener that no <laughs> it doesn't attack you it fucking does a sweet old reach around and jabs the person <laughs> behind you then <laughs> <laughs> like this is actually because you know how we always put the squishies in the middle right yeah. like it's always the smartest thing in like D when you say what's your marching order like you put your rogue and your strongest people in the front, your squishies in the middle, and then like your good tankies in the back, just in case, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a common marching order folks do. This something's not going to give a fuck. It's just going to like poke at the person in the middle who's the squishy because it fucking can, right? Yeah, completely so. agree. Yeah, and it's it's not going to be um, it's not going to be targeting the beefiest player or the most intelligent player. It's just it's looking for the the most tactical move to snatch and grab and go 
it knows yeah. what it's looking for definitely peace yeah. out <laughs> oh my gosh wild all right let's move on to the next one i'm going to talk about the cold light walker so we are strolling over to the book icewind dale rhyme of the frost maiden for a look at this one so cue sad backstory <laughs> Cold oh. light walkers are created when the spirit of a humanoid who died in extreme cold doesn't get to leave the mortal world. The corpse emits an intense bright white light, so intense that you can't discern any features from the creature at all. It is usually wearing the clothes it died in or like a cloak or a robe covering the bright light. And it wanders through the cold and till the end of time. <laughs> So cold light walkers can also be created by gods of winter, where the gods of winter outright deny the spirit passage to force it to remain. And this creature then amasses horror in the wintertime for the living as a warning of the perils of the cold. So like, I would think these would be, you know, in the outskirts of the forests from the villages. Um, this is like Night's Watch territory <laughs> where these just have to navigate and live in the horrible cold. And when humans or humanoids come wandering through, they act as just a terrifying warning of what can happen if you stay out in the cold too long. Would you say so. they're like actually aggressive towards humanoids or that they're more willing to just like skirt you in a different direction? Well, that's interesting. Uh, I think I think they would not necessarily want to engage. They just want to, they will just meander and act as something really scary and maybe a, like a myth or a story of a region that they exist in. It's like an omen uh, that, that your auntie tells you a story about so you don't climb the mountaintop. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and when the cold light walker dies, its light goes out and you can finally see that there it was just a corpse and that corpse cannot be reanimated so you may not actually know what kind of creature it is until it actually dies because you cannot discern what it is it is just a bright white light this creature is um medium undead chaotic evil and has a challenge rating of five it has natural armor at AC 13, hit point average of 82, and a speed of 30 feet. Uh, the ability scores are slightly above and slightly below average, with intelligence and charisma at minus one, wisdom and dex at zero, and strength and con at plus three. They do have saving throws for intelligence at plus two and wisdom at plus three. They have several immunities. Damage immunity to cold, not really surprising. Condition immunities to blinded, charmed, exhaustion, paralyzed, petrified, and poisoned. They have dark vision of 60 feet and a passive perception of 10. And they have no languages that they speak. So I think that leans into that just a wandering horror, Megan, where you can't interact with them like they can they can, you can try but they can't interact with you they essentially just wander through the forest or the ice 
the the glaciers or the ice shields <laughs> um, and are terrifying. Uh, they do have some abilities. They have blinding light. So this is where the walker sheds bright light in 20 foot radius and dim light in another 20 foot radius. And as a bonus action, the walker can target one creature with the light and force a DC 14 con save or be blinded until the start of the walker's next turn. They have icy doom. This is any creature killed by the walker is frozen for nine days, period. It can't be thawed, burned, animated, or raised from the dead in that time. So that wouldn't be ideal for a a party member to be killed by this thing. And it has unusual nature, which basically all undead creatures have. I don't think we've mentioned it today yet, but that means it does not require air, food, drink, or sleep. So as actions, uh, it has multi-attack, so two attacks, but one is slam attack, which is a plus five to hit and a five foot reach and can only target one, only, <laughs> only target one target. But that gives a 2d8 plus two bludgeoning plus 4d6 cold damage. It also has cold ray that it can do as a multi-attack. This is a ranged spell attack. It has plus three to hit, a range of 60 feet, one target, and does 4d10 plus three cold damage. So the fact that this does have a ranged ability, um, I think makes it way more dangerous because if you try to skirt around it and perhaps it does have a reason to attack anything that comes near it or go after anything that comes near it, it can attack you well before you get into melee range and it doesn't carry any weapons. So that won't be apparent either. Um, So as it happens, in the campaign that we are all in, <laughs> we just fought one of these. Um, thankfully, we killed it, but I nearly dropped as my uh, <laughs> my artificer. I had three hit points left after being at full hit points. We're at level five right now. Uh, this was a single critical hit from the cold ray attack. But thankfully, the DM rolled poorly, but still left me with only five hit points. So it may seem not that dangerous. It's just this bright light. What could it possibly do? What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, it got bad real fast for us. Uh, But yeah. Yeah. And in our, when we uh, encountered it, the DM, Adam, also added just a few extras to the role-playing aspect of this character, which I thought fit in really well. He added a foghorn sound from the creature and a slower pace. So leaning into that, it may sense you and then it just like it follows type slow moves towards you. And um, I think that added a lever- level of creepiness to it. Um, And it also had the bright light um, emit a pulse when it made attacks. So it absolutely added to the horror of this creature and the the intensity of the encounter, uh, which I thought was really clever. Yeah. And that is the cold light walker. Pretty creepy. So how about we raise some dice again? All right. 
three. <laughs> 14. Ooh, Megan, you're first. Ooh, I got 12. I'm on the 12 today. Love that. All right. Well, quest so, ideas for these suckers, yeah. I guess. We'll start off yep. as the classic. Um, I like the idea that at some point, I feel like this is another opportunity to use old dead legacy characters. Uh, like, yep. like, let's say in a campaign previous, this mountain was climbed, a character died in it somewhere, and now it's wandering the earth as a cold thing. And then when you kill it, the skeleton of the person you recognize is the, all that's left. Or you were told that their spirit was somewhere on a mountaintop somewhere. So you go exploring, looking for it, and all you find is these this bright light that's trying to warn you to stay away because it wants you to survive because it's your friend. And yeah. It's like, no, like, turn around. Like, you're going to die here. Like, this is an omen. This is a warning. Like, please go home. But then you end up killing this ball of light and then you realize that it's your friend for the big sad reveal. Oh, God, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. You know I'm here for a sad story. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Going even further on that, too, you could have that your friend disappeared up that mountain and it's known that something horrible happened to them, but you're close with their family and their mother just wants their like son or daughter back. And so your quest is to go kill your friend in the end, find your friend kill them and then bring their body back so that their like soul can be released yep <laughs> yeah <laughs> we see you're into the sad stories too <laughs> don't tell me you don't think that you don't like pain don't tell me <laughs> i know <laughs> mieka what do you got mine's mine's a bit like yours casey i feel like the party is on the lookout for a specific character and they actually find this character, like that the character has become, I'm sorry, NPC, they've become this um, cold light walker. And so um, they have to like defeat it and then like bring the remains back to the family and say, this is, we, this is what happened. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like there would be a whole excavation team at the base of a mountain that their job every once in a while is to go up find these things, kill them, and then deliver the bones to the families. Yeah. yeah. Because this this mountaintop is like Everest, but everyone has to climb it to get to a certain point of the world, right? And it's like it's like maybe it's like the the world is bordered by these large mountains and so there's like a to your point like a almost like a like a night's watch where it's their job to go up, hunt these things and then bring the remains back to the families to keep the mountains safe for future passers, but also to let families know that these bodies are now dead right and it's almost like you have to check in before you go up these mountains and like show your traveling papers and show that you're going up this mountain so that if your body is found like you've got your papers with you and they know where to send your body yeah oh god morbid <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it could be as simple as it could be a one shot where um you are called in because that group who normally maintains control of these creatures like coming into existence has gone out and hasn't returned. And so you now need to go hunt down all of these creatures and defeat them. And along the way, maybe you encounter long lost friends or you find somebody that you knew um, and have a whole story around that. Yep. So many things. Love it. All right. Body horror for this bright light. How can we spin that? 
I don't, I don't, it's hard to say. Cause I feel like <laughs> if you just come across these bright lights, there's not actually body horror that's attuned to them unless mm-hmm. they are basically balls of light hovering over top of their skeletons and haven't left their skeletons. And then you're going to get the body horror of the fact that like, it looks like these things are leached and latching onto these dead bodies. Right. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you're just going to get skeletal <laughs> body <laughs> horror. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But the ball of light, not so bad. But what you could, as a DM, narrate to give a little bit of body horror is these things have cold damage, which means when they hit you, your body and your skin might freeze. And then you will talk about the body horror that happens when, like, you get frostbite and the finger, your fingertips turn black, like that kind of stuff, right? Like, you can lean into its attacks for its body horror, not necessarily yeah. the fact that this ball of light is looking scary, right? Yeah, that's fair. And, um, like, I imagine this creature is very silent, even as it it will walk, like, towards you or you see it walking. It emits no sound. But then I think if you get into combat with it, it will have that sort of, like, hum sound. Like, just, like, that eerily, eerie, like, humming, chilling sound as it kind of, like, throws out its, like, ranged weapon or something like that like it's just it's that creepy silent attacker too which adds another level of horror yeah it's like almost like it's i see it as like the entire being itself is just silent so even like you don't like you just don't hear it coming at all like even when it's like reaching or like just moving around like you don't hear it until it makes contact with Mm -hmm. you um i also well, as far as for like the light coming out, I think it would just be pouring out from its like face. Mm-hmm. But once it dies, like there's just no face facial features whatsoever. Like it's, it's just like vacant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the hints to on like clothing, if you're going to like this will be a recognizable creature or person um it will be there will be shreds of their clothes that you will recognize like a crest or like an art like piece of armor that one of the party members recognizes that triggers you know all the all the trauma (laughs) um all right role playing and exploration clues for this one uh, I find like for exploration, a big thing that I would play into is, of course, if you're traveling through mountains where it's super snowy and super cold and it's the nighttime, it's going to be extremely dark and one of your players might be using dancing lights. Yeah. They will probably be the only ones that notice that there's an extra light wow. floating around yeah. somewhere. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I thought I only had, where's that six light coming from? And then they'll like... <laughs> And then it, they turn off their dancing lights to figure it out. And sure enough, there's just one still sitting there being like, that's not mine, guys. <laughs> it's just been like following the group, like 20 feet behind. Yeah. Cause, like, yeah, because yeah. it's like, it's trying to make sure that you're going to like, I feel like if it knows that you're on a on a good path and not going to die, it would just be following you gracefully. It's when you start falling off the path or going off the beaten path or doing something stupid that it's going to start like doing things to you to move you back onto the right path. Like, as I, mm-hmm. in my mind, I read them more as like, they're, they're just giving you the omens of what it's like to cross over these paths, right? Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily going to be fighty or wanting to kill you. It's more along the lines of I'm going to attack you. So you turn around and leave, right? Yeah. So 
but that's a big exploration piece for me is I think that would be like easy and fun to play with or like that star that you saw in the distance that you thought was the moon all of a sudden is not moving like where it would like if you were traveling like whoever's navigating notices that like what they thought was a really bright star is actually getting closer or what have you right yeah totally Um, but yeah for role-playing I don't really know if there's much to add because they don't really speak to you but like yeah yeah I think if you're going to play this as um as a recovery mission to encounter one of these potentially there's a lot more kind of backstory I guess you could build around this but it's not necessarily this creature role-playing it I went off on a thing thinking about if it did have the foghorn sound that came from it that could be connected to a backstory for perhaps it that human if it was a human lived near the coastline at one point and would hear foghorns and then it was turned into a cold light walker and has wandered hundreds of miles from the shore but now it uses that sound as like a reminder of home or like a a sorrowful kind of like wine just out into the cold night and it's a reminder of where it used to come from and it's the song of your family (laughs) right so it could be a hint of like oh my gosh I know who that is because so and so's you know so just leaning into that that childhood trauma and and family trauma yeah what about you Mika Uh. I almost don't want to see it as like a bad guy. Like I want it to be as helpful to the party as possible. Like they come across like this one thing and like in some way, shape or form, they're going to help the party in some way, try to figure out whatever Mm -hmm. like quest that they're on. It's not going to be um, aggressive um, at all. So yeah, I would like to see it like play out that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got soft hearts here. When you, as soon as it's a, a sad backstory of the creation, it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Well, we always want to make our players feel bad because they're going to attack it and they're going to kill it. And then we have to make them feel the sadness because you killed the good thing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, as far as combat goes, uh, I, I really like that similar to the bone claw we probably will have limited opportunity to actually fight this or it would be a bad idea to try and fight it because it's not necessarily going to try and kill you um but do either of you have anything to add for using it in combat with this coldness ability uh, again i would of course use like the, my body horror pieces like if it hits you with its cold damage to explain that you are you are being frozen and that it's scaring the shit out of you but i also feel the fact that it has range spells range spells like you mentioned earlier casey that is a way of it scaring you in a direction without getting too close to you Mm -hmm. so it doesn't want to get killed by you because it wants to stay alive so that it can continue its duty so it has these range spells to push you in a different direction so i feel like it's not going to immediately come up to you straight away and like say hey what's going on no it's going to use its ranged attacks to kind of push you away um and then if then if people get too close or too close of a range that's when it's going to use its closer attacks but um i think the range spells really speak to it not wanting to be up in your business right yeah yeah and in the instance when we encountered it um we had gotten insight that it remained on the ground because we found other uh, creatures hiding from it up in the trees and so when we encountered it 
um, a few of the players climbed trees to make sure that we couldn't get into melee with it. That's something I did and it didn't help because then it had a ranged attack. (laughs) But wait, there's more. (laughs) But wait, there's more. Good try though, Casey. Good try. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, that is the Cold Light Walker. Let's move on. Megan, I think you're next. Yeah, I'm going to talk about what is called the Oncolox. Uh, So these can be found within the Dragonlance book. And essentially, they are undead creatures that are created from the bones of bears and other creatures. However, visually, the easiest way to describe this is that the bones themselves are barbed and pointy. And they have, of course, really long, mean claws. So their whole, not only do they have claws, but their whole body is barbed. Like their bones, like they're, it almost looks like they're snapped and cracked and like they're splintered. And so they've got like other sharp pieces coming off the rest of their body. They will run on all fours like a creature would have when like in the thrive of a hunt uh, and as a means of sport. So, because let's be real, they are undead, meaning they don't need food. They just do this for kicks. Uh, They are also uh, creating what's called a bone trap, which is basically when a victim falls into a giant hole filled with bones. (laughs) So the immediate thing I thought of was like, if you guys ever seen the movies of Saw and the girl falls into the pit of needles? Yeah. Like that's the first thing that I thought of because they get these bones, like not only like, like, do you imagine just falling into a pit of like tiny ass bones? Like they're going to be sharp and they're going to poke at you and they're going to cause damage, right? Yeah. So stats wise, they are considered huge and are typically a neutral evil. They have a natural armor of 15 and a large hit point pool of an average of 157. And of course, get this, they have a speed of 50. Oh, shit. So they're they're running all fours, full on charging up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, their strength is their most notable stat with a plus six and their con is a plus four. But to balance that, of course, they have a negative four charisma and a negative three intelligence. They don't need you to like them. They aren't really being <laughs> social butterflies, uh, just so to speak. Uh, they're not here for your entertainment. They are skilled in perception with a plus six and their saving throws are wisdom with a plus six. Uh, and of course, like most undead, they are immune to poison, being charmed, exhausted, and frightened. So these things are in the wilderness chasing you f- f- with a 50 foot speed and they will not get tired. Uh, so these are hunters and attackers. So they don't really give a shit about you as a person. <laughs> They don't have emotions. They're not a ball of light wanting to guide you in the right direction. They are hunting you and they have, they want to murder and kill you. Right. (laughs) This is not the bitch at the end of the hall. (laughs) No, this is not, this is a, you round the corner and you run as fast as you fucking can. (laughs) Yeah. You do not turn around. This is is not a little bitch. This is a big bitch, right? Big bitch. (laughs) Big bitch baddie. Um, they have no languages to speak of, and all this brings them to a solid CR of nine. So they have a multi-attack where they can use either their claws or an ability called an entrapping rend. And basically what that is, is it's a melee attack that has a plus 10 to hit, causing 5d6 plus 6 piercing damage, but you need to make a DC 18 strength save or be grappled inside of its chest. And you are stuck there until you make the save and you are technically restrained. Oh, no. So basically all you can do on your turn is try and escape from this grasp of its bone clawed chest. Rage. Stomach? <laughs> okay. Oh. Have either of you guys watched um 
it's a it's a book made into a Netflix series called Shadow and Bone. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I, I read the books and I have seen the TV series. Oh, nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a weirdo for that kind of shit. <laughs> Yeah, the newest season had, like, I was instantly thought of this creature in the newest season. Um, Sorry for spoilers, but it's a creature that basically uh, grapples into its chest and then it also chews away at you, like, with a whole bunch of teeth that are along its abdomen. But that's essentially what it does, is it just, like, grips and wraps and then entraps. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if anybody's played... The internet might know this one, but like I've played in a, a board game called Kingdom Death Monster. And there's also an evil monster that's basically a giant deer that like rears up on, on like its hind legs. And then its entire stomach chest cavity is a giant mouth filled with sharp teeth that just like clamp down and eat you. Oh my God. <laughs> no, Megan, because who would play that game? <laughs> it's a very, it was an awesome board game for anybody that likes like civilization building board games it's a fun game to play but you just might get eaten by a deer's stomach just throwing that out there <laughs> but yeah that's pretty much it for the uncle Ox. Jesus, <laughs> that's fucked <laughs> yeah i don't that it's annoying and i don't i don't like that that's uh, a very annoying creature <laughs> well let's raise some dice and talk more about this fuckery great uh, two ten eighteen Ooh, uh, <laughs> you're doing it all right quest jesus <laughs> um did you say this is it like very territorial did you say this i imagine it would be because it's a yeah. hunter so yeah. uh it doesn't say specifically but i think because it, it hunts and it like it, I, I would say that it lives in a very specific place yeah um yeah i I've I know I've probably said this quest a few times before, but I'm thinking like this new type of this thing has like moved in essentially <laughs> near like this village and like you've got people that are like on the outskirts of it getting just eaten by this thing. It's just terrorizing the people. And then you're trying to basically kill this bone bear it's not a bear but like that's what like that's what i'm getting in my mind it's basically mm-hmm. if you look at the picture it's basically a bear but it does say that it can be basically any other four-legged creature okay yeah that's that's what i'm getting from it it's just terrorizing everyone and everywhere all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um these do also scream like labyrinth creature to me but I feel like a good quest item for these is that I get like to your point, Mika, I do feel like they are more territorial or in a land. And I feel like if an undead or a necromancer or something moves in, or maybe like a an undead dragon or something moves in, it's gonna like basically desecrate the land around it, which means anything living within that forest or on these mountains will then become these undead creatures. And I feel like these bears and animals uh, suddenly arise. And then a, a town far along the distance is like all of our game and everything that we hunt is now gone because these creatures are taking them. But we do not have the means to kill these things because we are just small town folk. So the quest, like a small little quest give would be that your party is now tasked with finding out why these bone scary creatures have appeared and either find the source and get rid of it or just kill them all so that they're no longer like infesting the lands. Right. Yeah. And what if 
um, the necromancer or hag or whatever is taking over this area is just transforming any four-legged creature into these things. And so if you're navigating to try and find the source or the cause, you're coming across any type of animal, (laughs) like you're getting bunnies and foxes and then bears and deer and they're all turned they've all been turned into these feral barbed bone creatures and it's just like a total like (laughs) mess with your mind as you're trying to navigate through this forest (laughs) that's a that's a great exploration piece though like to kick it off like you're hanging out in a town and also when someone's cat comes home that is one of these yeah and like it's like what the fuck is this and like that's your introduction to them but from a a very small like portion right small version of this creature that's a little bit easier to kill and you you kill this person's cat unfortunately but then as you're going through the forest you see them getting bigger and bigger it turns into like you see a bunny then you see like like a deer and then you see and then all of a sudden you have this big fucking bear and you're like (laughs) (laughs) imagine like a bird just flying at you like this (laughs) it's terrifying it has wings like yeah or like a herd of deer that like you hear the rumbling (laughs) because they're being chased by one of these like wolves that are like this but then the deer are too so the deer are like running away and run by you and there's like a herd of I don't know like eight of them that just like blow by you and they're all these creatures it's like the Jurassic Park moment where you see all like the smaller dinosaurs running. You're like, what are we running from? But also this giant T-Rex just comes at room. Exactly. <laughs> Yikes. Oh my gosh. Creepy. Well, that gives lots of options for body horror and role-playing these types of creatures. What do you think, Mika? Yeah, like I'm like envisioning like this cavity that's just like chomping away at, <laughs> at its uh, prey. Like, what if you have, like, a decaying body on the inside of it that just couldn't get out, and it's just, like, seeping into the actual, like, uh, monster, and just, ugh, just, like, just all that Or, like, you you run into it, and it has just caught a fresh rabbit or something, Mm -hmm. and, like, it's just slowly dying. Like, like, you know, all you see is it being contorted and destroyed and trying to get out, but because of the barbed ribcage, it's, like, killing itself by trying to get out of this trap right, right? Like, it's constantly it has begun so yeah. you see all that too yeah this is yeah. annoying i hate it well and then it would be a good <laughs> warning to your team don't go towards the mouth you might get stuck in it you know what i mean so that's your trigger of maybe range attacks is better and then you learn that it has a 50 foot running speed and you're like oh <laughs> well <laughs> yeah that's a new level for sure i don't know i like I'm stuck on deer. I don't know why. Like, you know how sometimes when deer, like, get, like, actual deer, get into, like, bucks, get into fights, and then they end up getting, like, thing- shreds of things stuck in their antlers. Sometimes they kill the other deer, and then they have, like, another deer, like, stuck in their antlers, like, because yeah. their antlers are stuck. You know what I mean? It's horrific. <laughs> But because this whole thing is these barbs on bones and then it has this way to like grapple things in his chest, I do imagine it just having like shreds of viscera of different kinds of creatures just all over it. You use Dan's favorite word, viscera. (laughs) Viscera. (laughs) It's a good word. 
Yeah. yeah. Like bones like, on its brand. So that's what you're going to see. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like you just, you kind of want to know more about it, but you don't because you just see it. It's just like, Jesus, that thing is, we, we don't want to fuck around with that thing. All right. In role-playing or exploration clues for this one? Um, Honestly, I feel like, I think we, we've already said, like with the bones and like just the animals just running around, just like wreaking havoc <laughs> in mm-hmm. the forest and everything. And it's like, they're not acting like how a- animals should act. Like, you know, rabbits aren't just grazing. Like they're attacking, like rabbits attacking deer. Um, yeah deer like attacking bears it's like it's just chaos so that's how i see it yeah and i think like it's the same kind of thing if you were hunting around like in a forest or something like that you would see signs of like you know like blood splatter like just like not even just like the like it's like the whole thing was bled out in one spot but the bones and the body of it are missing because it was grabbed consumed and then like kept but it like bled out underneath it so finding pools of blood with no remnants of dead animals would be a, like an exploration clue mixed in with the like like of a hunter or a ranger is wandering through a forest looking for claw marks on trees it's not seeing claw marks but it's seeing like you know how bears will scratch their back like on a tree mm-hmm. yeah like that but because of the barbed bones the trees mm-hmm. are just ripped to shreds so it's not a claw mark the trees have been destroyed by this thing running through this forest right Mm-hmm. so and role-playing again they don't give a shit about you as a person they're gonna run at you they're gonna attack you and they're gonna eat you they don't give a shit yeah like. <laughs> yeah fair enough that's kind of a trend with a lot of these um bony creatures if they're not gonna just evade you and try and direct you they're just full coming at you yep. you could also rather than your cat coming home as one of these <laughs> It could be that like your dear old cat or your dear old dog has gone missing and like then you encounter the remains, the blood pool remains later on or it returns but it's got these like barbed shreds on the side of its body and no one can understand what kind of creature would possibly make these these injuries so you have to go seek out what is what's nearby. Yeah, it's also your classic. All of my sheep are missing. Where did all my sheep go? You know. Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in combat, I mean, these ones are the fun ones where you you will roll into initiative and fuck around. <laughs> yeah, but this is a fuck around and find out kind of monster. Yeah, I was right? just like- about to say that. <laughs> If you dilly dally and you decide to stick around and don't like, and if you get anywhere near its mouth hole, like you're fucked, like, mm-hmm. because then someone else is going to have to get close to it. Right. And don't get me wrong. So in the rules, it does say it can only grapple one, like a uh, restrain one person at a time. Mm-hmm. So you can hack away at it while this thing is inside of it, but having you inside of it doesn't impede its speed. Nice. So, it's, so it's not like it's holding <laughs> on to you. Like it will just hold on to you and then it will run around with you in its chest cavity. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Perfect random encounter being or monster. Perfect for this. Yeah. Dealing with trying to kill a creature while your beloved gnome gnome bard is stuck in its stomach. Oh, yeah. It grabs the NPC first, right? Just to teach you a lesson. It's going to grab everybody's. I like how we're always after the beloved NPC that everybody loves. But it's how you teach your team a lesson about how to handle a monsty monst. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) yeah. Wild. 
don't know. We've got a lot of creepy shit in this episode. That one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to move on to our big, big baddie for this episode. The Ooze Master. Uh, So this is found in the Tales of the Yawning Portal and is an extremely unique creature from this book. So specifically in um, this book, it's part of a doom vault dungeon crawl into the immortal caverns. It resides in something called the Ooze Grottoes. Red wizards, just like the ones in the Dungeons and Dragons movie that just came out, breed and control the oozes here. The ooze master is a sentient ooze where red wizards have made attempts to add some level of intelligence to oozes, giving them an intelligence score of five or sometimes more. So oozes in here can speak and understand common and are no longer immune to being charmed. The ooze master appears as a giant red pillar of ooze that stretches from the floor to the ceiling. Within that pillar is actually a red wizard of Thay, visible with the humanoid shape in a crimson robe. And it can send whisperings into the cavern from inside the ooze pillar. This wizard has become the ooze master due to a failed attempt to blend a red wizard with the ooze and believes that those who enter the area it's in are fans ready to be sacrificed to it. And what it does is it takes all knowledge and memories from the dead that it can uh, grab and kill and gain itself more power. Other lore mentioned that it is the transmuter wizard named Sarkala that created the Ooze Master in hopes to create the perfect assassin, but it failed to make it perfect. So it basically moved it aside and continued with more research. So I feel like this area is full of really scary and powerful oozes, but in the minds of like the red wizards, these are all just failed attempts in one way or another. So there are other sentient oozes in the caverns and the ooze master is linked to one other one called the white maw. Should the party kill the white maw, the red ooze will know right away and it will be moted to gain the power from all of the corpses of all of the intruders and use that power to avenge the white maw. So it might be ready for combat before you even encounter it. If you make the wrong moves earlier in your dungeon crawl. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the pillar itself is fluid-like. And when a creature comes within 10 feet, you feel your own body become more soft and fluid. So it has this disgusting aura about it. If you start your turn there, you must make a DC 15 con save or take 2d6 acid damage. If you drop to 0 HP because of this, the creature will die and become a puddle of goo that the pillar will just like slurp up. And there, it just got all of the knowledge and and power and memories from that creature. So it does not fuck around. So the Ooze Master acts like a lich, where if you manage to kill it, 
it will remain in the pillar unconscious, like the red wizard in the pillar. And it still will have the ability to send out whisperings. And only when a phylactery vault, which is found elsewhere in these caverns, is destroyed, it will be destroyed. So let's get into some of the stats for this creature. <laughs> it is huge in size, undead, lawful evil. It has undead nature, of course. It only has an AC of nine with natural armor because it is a fluid pillar. It does have pretty good hit points with the average of 138 and a CR of 10. It has a speed of 30 feet and a climb speed of 30 feet because it can spider climb. So I imagine the red wizard essentially like moving itself within the pillar to give it the ability to like move up and across the roof or down and across the ground. Uh, like just this super creepy like form just moving in this red fluid. Uh, ability scores are all well above average except for deaths at minus five, which does make sense since it's a fluid pillar. It's not going to be able to dodge very easily. Wisdom is zero. Charisma and strength and intelligence are plus three and con is highest at plus five. It does have saving throws of intelligence plus seven and wisdom plus four. It is a wizard. The Red Wizard Ooze Master is skilled in Arcana and Insight as well. It has resistances, damage resistance to lightning, necrotic, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. It has damage immunities to acid, cold, and poison, conditional immunities, blinded, charmed, deafened, exhaustion, frightened, paralyzed, poisoned, and prone. <laughs> It has blind sight of 120 feet, passive perception of only 10. It knows the languages common, primordial, and Thean. So while it can't move necessarily any further than the players can and is not very dexterous, it will be incredibly hard to fight in combat. Um, it is... You're fighting a high-level wizard within just a bubble, a protective bubble that's just going to make things, like, less effective or not effective at all. It's a gelatinous cube on crack is basically what you're fighting here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into some of the abilities it has. It has uh, corrosive form. So if you touch it or hit it within five feet, um, remember you will always have that aura where you're, get, you're getting that acid damage if you're within five feet of it. But if you hit it or touch it, you take 2d8 acid damage and non-magical weapons begin to corrode. If you deal damage with one, it then takes a permanent minus one penalty. And that continues to happen all the way up to a damage of minus five to that weapon, at which point the weapon is destroyed completely. Uh, it also notes that the ooze can eat through two inch thick wood or metal in one round. So it must have been put in there for a reason. <laughs> that one asshole at the table asked, what do you mean it melted my armor? And it's like, well, is it less than an inch thick? then yeah it did <laughs> yeah like it's just 
very a very interesting thing to add. Um, it also has instinctive attack, which means when it casts a spell with one action, it can use its bonus action to make a pseudopod attack. So that fluid, that ooze is slurping out and making an attack as a bonus action. Yeah, we're getting into spell casting. This is a red wizard in an ooze suit at ninth level spell casting. It uses intelligence. It has a large list of wizard spells prepared, including cantrips are acid splash, mage hand, poison spray, uh, first level spells, charm person, detect magic, magic missile, ray of sickness, second level, detect thoughts, melts acid arrow, which I mean, of course. <laughs> Third level, fear, slow, stinking cloud. Fourth level, confusion, Evard's black tentacles. Fifth level, cloud kill. Like this is going to either deplete your abilities or wipe you out completely with its own attacks on these spells. And it has a lot of like, it's, it's a heavy hitter wizard. Ooh, so as actions, of course, it can cast spells and or it can attack with its pseudopod. This is also a plus seven to hit and has a 10 foot reach, one target, and can do 3d6 plus three bludgeoning damage plus 3d6 acid damage. If you are within 10 feet of this thing, you are not going to last very many rounds. I don't care how many, how big your hit pool is, just with just being within that, plus what it can do on its attacks, plus what it can do you when on you when you attack. It's just so many levels of fuckery. Ugh, like, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's wild. And finally, it has a reaction called instinctive charm. If a creature within 30 feet it can see makes an attack against it, the ooze master can use its reaction to basically nope that attack and cause it to hit a different target within the attacker's range. The attacker must make a DC 15 wisdom save or it will target a different creature closest to it instead. If there are multiples in the same range, then the attacker can choose. But on a success, the attacker is immune to this charm for 14 hours. Um, creatures that can't be charmed are immune to this effect as well. But it can, it can essentially use this as a reaction. It's not even, you know, using a spell slot to do this. But it can just evade and just keep attacking. So that was a lot. <laughs> but this is such a unique monster. And we really haven't come across something this unique and specific yet in the Undead series, I don't think. It's a lot of content. So let's raise some dice and see. One final time. 17. 18 again. Ooh. Nice. Well, I got 12. <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> again. So Mieka, what do you think for quest ideas? Um, so I thought it would be funny kind of pulling from the um, I guess a little bit from the D D movie like what if you have this uh like red wizard <laughs> traveling with the party but the party doesn't know and you get to this like temple and then they try they attempt to you know do the thing 
and they fail at it and they become this thing and now the party has to like fight this ooze <laughs> it's like such a failure like <laughs> i love that you always lean on that this person failed at this thing and this is their punishment they have to deal with now yes. yeah <laughs> yeah like you were tasked to escort this red wizard to this area to do something good and then they totally fuck it up and turn into this thing <laughs> oh my god like, what now i have to kill you it's like oh my gosh no but like that would be i think that would be hilarious for the the players to just like go through that oh man i wanted to do like phylactery inception where like your lich this phylactery is inside this other phylactery of this gelatinous like cube thing (laughs) and like to be able to get the phylactery for this other person you're trying to kill you have to kill this phylactery so it's like you're on an adventure and a quest to kill this red ooze to get the phylactery to kill this other wizard that you're after right (laughs) (laughs) you want a phylactery this is how you get a phylactery (laughs) my gosh yeah i love that um this is certainly like if you're coming across this one you're going to come across other oozes so you have so much fun to play around like have gelatinous cubes in there have this other ooze that it's connected to but you could have lots of other just like goopy like oozy gross things in this area and plop it kind of anywhere if you really wanted to but you could also have that they have no idea that they're going into this kind of mad sciencey red wizard area of all these like crazy creatures they're just going on to find something else down with the oozes and then they come across this giant cavern with a pillar that's red and it looks like it has a wizard in it and it's just like oh shit (laughs) yeah creepy amazing (laughs) um okay so as usual body horror what do we think Hmm, body horror. I see the thing itself, like uh maybe just like that slow eating away at the uh at the wizard that's inside, you know? Um, and then it has, let me double check, you said that it's uh has like an acid splash almost, right? Or yeah, like if a creature when a creature comes within 10 feet of it you and you stay there you'll take 2d6 acid damage if you fail a con save so just within 10 feet of it okay i think yeah just sticking to the um to the acid thing like maybe slowly eating away at the um at the wizard that's like inside until it's just like this decaying corpse that's moving around trying to um go after your players right like the wizard can't die in there but it originally was never immune to acid and now it's inside an acid ooze. So it's just like still just slowly just getting its flesh is like pulling away and it's yeah. just slowly rotting in there. But it's just loving the power it has anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's like the sounds it would make too. Like the the schlepping and the slurping and like the the sounds of the decaying. And like I feel like it would have a smell, you know? <laughs> Like, we don't talk about smell all that much. And we've talked about it a few times in the Undead channel because we are talking about bodies decaying and rotting. So sometimes mm-hmm. we do talk about that. But, like, you're going to get the smell of, like, like that's, like, like the whole sweet fruit is the smell of a rotting, decaying body, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you're going to get that. And you're going to have, like, be led into this false sense of safety of, oh, it just smells like weird fruit smell. 
nope dead bodies running everywhere enjoy <laughs> yeah and maybe even like um like a a chemically or uh, like you know like um like from the acid that's just like eating and corroding everything so like a chemically or like a burning acidy kind of smell I don't know how to describe that well but like where things are just being also slowly just dissolved into goop so you're seeing like piles of gross stuff that is half dissolved and then you see these little like pseudopods just out there slurping it up and pulling it back to the main pillar like so disgusting <laughs> all right so role playing or exploration clues on this one so with role playing going back to my quest idea it's like what if <laughs> what if they got really close to one of your players and then this like just happens and then like now it's like the ooze master is coming after one of your um players specifically and your player has to deal with the fact that, okay, I have to kill, like, one of my closest friends or someone who I thought was my friend. I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> now, I think that you wouldn't know that this thing exists, to be honest with you, depending on, what, like, quest area you're going into. I feel like, because to your point, like, it, it knows as soon as whatever it was falls and dies, it's going to come after you right so mm -hmm. this is your clear out the dungeon because if this catches you you are going to die mm -hmm. so it, like it, it's your false sense of security you killed the big bad evil guy let's all loot and raid the dungeon and like this thing is like uh no you need to get the fuck out mm -hmm. right so the exploration would just be of course rotting dead corpses that were melted away or armor that had melted holes in it and things like that along the way but at the end this is your end game this is your, it appears, and it's here to clear out the dungeons. You do not spend a lot of time here finding the thing. So if your group didn't powerhouse through, like, powerhouse through the dungeon to get to the thing without fully exploring, they might miss something. Because as soon as you've beaten this thing, it's going to clear you out, right? Mm, or murder yeah. you at the last second because it drops down on top of your beloved NPC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as it would because it can just like slurp its way across the ceiling and then just drop uh, down yeah <laughs> yeah and like this one does have a few languages and if you hadn't you know triggered anything for it to indicate that you are an intruder versus a follower uh there could be an opportunity for say like the bards of the party to do some negotiation or some deception on this thing uh which may buy you a little bit of time but ultimately this thing is just it's created to destroy and all it wants one way or another is to acquire the power of anyone it comes across so whether you are a friendly like uh person just coming in and it's like, oh, you are a, wel a welcoming sacrifice. Like, welcome, come, just come up to me. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> or you're the intruder. It's it's end game is the same. Like you talked about, Megan. Like it it's just seek and destroy. It's going to just like go around and absorb anything it possibly can to gain that knowledge and power. 
So there is a potential for some role playing and maybe you can get out of it if you're really convincing, but likely not because it, it ha- it's lawful. So it has one goal, really, and one goal only. Yeah, and I don't think it would have necessarily a ton of clues that maybe you, by the time you reach this thing, you will be well aware that this is ooze territory. So you might have come across other, other type, (laughs) other bitches that are just minor (laughs) in the ooze category. The minor. So we... (laughs) There is a trap that exists that is like ooze traps that are on ceilings and drop down and they're like, like they're like acidic little ooze traps that can be put mm-hmm. around. So I feel like that would be a good exploration clue that like you may come across and you'd assume just a regular gelatinous cube, but it's like your, your resident D&D player is like, oh, there's a gelatinous cube in this. <laughs> I know what it is. And all of a sudden yeah. like, no, it's a gelatinous cube on steroids. So congratulations. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you might have an idea of the theme, but there really won't be any other clue that this is something that you're going to encounter once you re- reach the depths, which I think is cool. Right. All right. Anything to add for any exploration clues or or combat from the two of you? I like the whole sneak attack thing. <laughs> Just dropping from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on top of one of your players yes excuse me pardon me coming through (laughs) uh no like it's the spells for me that this bitch has yeah like it's such a i feel like it'd be such a fun thing to like play around with as a dm because you have so much to your disposal that's gonna like surprise your players on a regular basis like it's gonna look like a regular gelatinous cube when it drops down but all of a sudden it's just whipping spells at you right yeah and that's going to add to the fear of, oh, my God, can we actually destroy this thing? We may have to outrun it. And like, you know, like it just, again, a fucking cube whipping spells. Not a fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the red wizard in there will have this boost to its like confidence and its arrogance because it's inside this blob, this protective cube or pillar. So it's probably going to, you know, throw some shade while it's like spewing these spells and just wanting to have some fun while it's doing this as well because it has really powerful shit and it's protected it will be really hard to actually start hurting this thing because of the heavy hit pool and the amount of resistances and immunities it has right but really cool a lot to handle as a dm though like this (laughs) is you're playing (laughs) you're playing a boss when you're playing this right like yeah. it's not a regular it's not a little bitch that you're gonna run into around the corner like this is what it's like oh <laughs> that no. is a boss <laughs> yeah it doesn't necessarily have like usually we see legendary resistances and layer actions and stuff like that with big big baddies but this one doesn't have those but it just is supplemented with something like that mad wizard craziness that yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. definitely your big bad boss <laughs> Yeah, very cool and crazy. Amazing. All right, ladies. So on a scale from one to 10 footsteps around the corner, how would you rank these undead stalkers as part of the undead landscape in the D&D 5th edition? So of course, starting with our ever so scratchy bone claw. Uh, I would say nine. You don't like it? <laughs> the darkness and the snatching, isn't it? it's the it was the hand that was dragging across the wall and then disappearing (laughs) when like 
You turn around and like, you no, no. <laughs> oh my God. Honestly, like even thinking about like, again, my reference to Zelda with the hand that crawls around and when you hit it, it splits into three. That was the most panicked, like little mini boss to fight that I fucking hated. And then yeah. the worst part was, is you could, you would see them on the ceiling by like a shadow trailing you. And if you stopped moving for a period of time, it would drop down and snatch you. So like I would almost add that into the game as well that it like follows you around in an exploration. Anyways, so I I feel like I'm getting back into it, but I feel like I don't like them that much. I'm gonna give it an eight though. I'm not overly afraid of them. Don't like them, but it's an eight for me. What about you, Casey? Uh, nine. Yep. Yeah, they're scary. They are. They add such a level of terror without even combat. Yeah, I think. So, like, and it all depends on how the DM plays it. Like, you gotta, like, slather on what everything that we talked about, but... Slather. Be, yeah. <laughs> like, lay it all out there. Oh, and my God. hopefully, the players then run in fear or, yeah. or scramble in fear because they're being picked off by something they, they can't even see. Yeah. Correct. All right. The Cold Light Walker which is the, the ball of light in the distance warning you not to come into the cult. What would you rate this sucker? I would say five. I think it's it's right in the middle for me because it could go either way, you know? Mm-hmm. It could be helpful in some ways and then it could just not be helpful at all. <laughs> yeah, I think... <laughs> I feel like it's not built to scare me as a player, but it's meant to scare my piece, like my character. You know what I mean? So it doesn't frighten me as much. Um, I feel like it does play into like the sad storyline. So I'm going to give it a four. Like it's a good exploration piece. It's a fun little thing to add for a mountaintop like battle, but like um, it's not something that I'm really afraid of, you know? Yeah. Like it's in terms of a stalker, it's probably pretty low. Like, yeah, like three or four. Um, I really liked how I did not like fighting it. Let's be fair, but <laughs> fair I really liked how we spun it as it could be this like silent warning or silent, a silent messenger in that it is trying to still guide you or trying to deter you from one area, but it can't speak to you. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. All right. The Onkelox. Fuck this thing. Right. <laughs> respectfully eat a dick you know what i mean like it's a Hmm. solid 10 for me dog anything that can run faster than me not about it Mm -mm. hard pass yeah there's one thing to be slowly stalked by something it's another to be like full-on barreling 50 feet worth like just (laughs) barreling towards your face absolutely not not about it yeah like this is the difference between um zombies from walking dead and zombies from 28 days later oh my god great theme song for that movie by the way (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would put it at a nine it's a nine yeah i was gonna say nine too bitches i'm a full 10 like (laughs) hard pass on being chased i'm like that kid like maybe it was because i was the youngest sibling of four being chased has like a certain amount of trauma to me you know yeah yeah. so (laughs) fair all right, last but not least, the ooze master. Not even on the scale. Fuck this. 27. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I say 10. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to mess with this thing. It's, yeah, it's... like odds are so low, you're going to leave the room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah. oh my God. And you're going to see your fighters and barbarians get absorbed by this thing with like within a couple rounds. 
So like, if that doesn't fuck with your sanity enough for you to flee, then you, you're just in there to die with them. Like, oh my God. Just- and you're going to want to save them as their friends. And then you're going to get in there. And then you as the squishy distance character is then going to die because you're not going to be able to pull them out of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a fucking yeah. party killer, you know, fun sucker. Like, absolutely. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, it's time to close the crypt on this part of our conversation on Undead in D&D 5th edition. Stay tuned next month when we look at what it means in Dungeons and Dragons to have your soul bound to an eternity of servitude. Thanks for listening to this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a Patreon. If you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash itsamimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. amazing that was a fun one we did it lots of bones and gore in this one love it love a good boning i'm gonna hit record now because we're talking about regular things secret (laughs) secret it's it's a secret (laughs) what we say for the first 20 minutes before i hit record (laughs) no one can ever know (laughs) yes no i no this is gonna be fine and so they have this thing called um, rejuvenation. So while the master lives, I already explained that. <laughs> I realized I wrote that twice. <laughs> this is my copy and pasting working against me. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what it is. You're being a bit spicy, so I'm going to 